extraordinary districts in extraordinary times. Hi, this is Karen Chenoweth from the Education Trust. In this podcast, we're talking with effective school and district leaders to find out what they're doing in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. So far, we've talked with a superintendent in rural Oklahoma and two high school principals, one in Nassau County, New York, and one in Los Angeles County, California. Today, April 15th, we're returning to Nassau County, which is just east of New York City on Long Island. It is one of the epicenters of the coronavirus epidemic. As of yesterday, Nassau County was reporting that 25,520 of its residents were confirmed to have coronavirus and 1,001 people have died of the disease. Within Nassau County, Valley Stream is the hardest hit of all the areas. Nicholas Sterling is the superintendent of Valley Stream 30, which is one of three elementary school districts in Valley Stream, which borders Queens quite near Kennedy Airport. Valley Stream 30 was featured in season two of Extraordinary Districts because of the high achievement of its students. A majority of the students are black and the rest are mostly Hispanic and recent immigrants from Pakistan, India, and Bangladesh. I am eager to hear how Valley Stream 30 is coping with the new realities. Dr. Sterling, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for having me. First of all, I hope you and your family are safe and able to isolate yourselves. We are. Thank you for asking. Dr. Sterling, I I believe many of the parents in your district are city workers, transit workers, medical workers, police officers, which means they're at great risk. Are you seeing a lot of cases among your families? Um, In terms of uh, cases that have been reported, we are not aware of what those cases are. We are not being um, contacted by the Department of Health, per se. Um, We do have um, some communication as it relates to specific cases amongst a few of the families that um, are within our school district. That does not necessarily speak to um, families that are within our community, but not necessarily attending the schools. So we're a smaller subsection of the entire community of Valley Stream. So to answer your question, the number of cases as it relates to staff members, family members that are attending our schools, um, we've had some, but not significant in terms of what might be happening in other areas. Like, are you, is the district getting food to students? Is that one of the things you're doing? Yes, the district is getting food to those families that are in need. Um, it is It was mandated by the state in terms of creating um, opportunities for our families to get free and reduced um, lunches that are um, available to our families that has been coordinated within the um, various school districts that I'm among. And that has been working well, as well as outreach to a few families who have um, seek assistance through soup, through food banks. Uh, so in other words, uh, families that are not part of the school district, you're still providing food to? No, families that are a part of the school district, we have been contacted by them and have been able to um, work with them to find the appropriate food banks that have been able to support them. I gotcha. So when I was in Valley Stream 30, I was really struck by how focused you, your principals, your teachers, everyone we're on making sure your students have a wide range of rich experiences to build their knowledge of the world, 
Mm-hmm. You have a lot of field trips. You encourage your students to compete in a lot of different ways. That's all come to a screeching halt, I imagine. How yes. how is everyone coping with that? Um, people are making adjustments. This is nothing that we could have necessarily planned for long term, short term. We did. Um, so what's happening not only in my district and in every district across this nation is how do you provide continuity of instruction and what does that look like? Um, what available resources do you have? So you're literally um, put into a situation where what you used to know to be the normal is no longer available and you're creating the normal as you go along day by day. So what is no, what are, what are you creating? What normal are you creating? Well, I think one of the things that I'm most proud of in regards to creating the new normal is the fact that we took a, a comprehensive um, look through our planning as it related to continuity of instruction in terms of the what ifs. And the what ifs were, well, what happens if we're out for a week, two weeks, one month, two months, three months, the rest of the year? So we had that time to think about what we might be able to do. So what we came up with in terms of our plan was based on a phase-in process. So our phase one process was one where we understood that if we were going to be out for a two-week period, that we needed to be cognizant of the fact that everyone would be adjusting to a new normal. Everyone would be dealing with the fear and the anxiety, the emotional impact of what we're being put through relating to this virus. The goal within our first two weeks was simply to maintain the skills of our kids, so mostly review so that they would not regress. There was a very conscious effort put forth where we would not necessarily need to have a great deal of technical equipment for our kids. We wanted our families to be able to go onto the computer and pull down resources to support learning within the first two weeks. That two-week time period was critical in terms of us being able to assess our needs of our families, get passwords out to families in terms of access for future activities. Um, We were able to determine those families that didn't have internet connections and or Um, actual devices in the homes to which we then were able to do some distribution. Um, That time was also critical for our staff in terms of providing them some level of support in terms of professional development as it related to using Google Classrooms, how to do videos, so forth, et cetera. That two-week period also gave our teachers an opportunity to focus on the next two weeks of time because the first two weeks were already taken care of. We were very conscious about the fact that not only our families, but our teachers were also having to adjust. They too were now being asked to work from home, take care of their families, take care of themselves, and remain emotionally stable through all of this. So understanding that this was not something that you could just flip a switch and then you're going to have education as it might have been in the past, that wasn't going to happen. So this two-week period did give us time for planning. And at the same time, it gave us an opportunity to address issues that we may not have thought of or uh, what we might be experiencing. So that was phase one for the first two weeks. So it was not necessarily 
run and do everything that, that we wanted to. It was really a planning period, an adjustment period. So once the two weeks were up, we went into phase two. And at that point, um, we were continuing to provide instruction based on grade levels. So everyone across a grade level was receiving the same type of resources and instruction because we did make an effort to make sure that everyone was getting similar types of experiences initially. In the phase two, we then pushed out more technology. We then started to use more videos. Google Classroom was then introduced. Um, we then were able to add in other subject areas because we began with English language arts and, social, and um, math. Then we added social studies and science activities. We then were able to provide videos as it related to special areas, be it art, music, PE, so forth, et cetera, ENL services, reading services, speech services, language, speech and language services, rather. Um, so that all happened in phase two. By the time we got to phase three, we're now into week four of our transition. We then moved into individualized classroom pages where we're now meeting with individual classes and at the same time also meeting um, in small groups um, throughout the week, continuing with um, building on our subject areas as well as special areas and other resources being made available to our children. We also made sure that we also provided resources to our families in terms of understanding Google Classroom and how to manage it at, from home. Um, finding um, help desks as well as homework support and or check-ins. All of those things were being now developed by various support staff members to which um, families and children could actually um, log on to. So that was um, phase three, and we're moving forward. But with all that said, I believe that our plan that was really focused on a phase in process, building the educational system every so many weeks, helped us in really getting to a full capacity, at which I, I believe we are definitely at. We also were very concerned in regards to planning with an equity lens. So that is why we used the phase and we wanted to make sure that we were not leaving anybody out and that we were addressing the varying needs of families. I'll give you a quick example. When you, you think, oh, everybody can just go to start school at nine o'clock. No, we have families that work at night and they're sleeping and their kids are not necessarily going to have support possibly from those families. So these are little nuances that we have to be cognizant of. What about the family that has three or four children? in different grades. They all can't be on at the same time. So we had to come up with schedules in terms of when certain grade levels were going to be on, when certain classes are going to be on, so that all of this could be coordinated and be as manageable as possible at home. Plan also was being sensitive to the fact that the teachers had to adjust as well as they had to also build this new educational system as we were trying to also provide them, um, provide students rather the resources. So I think our process has supported us in terms of creating a new normal for our kids. Um, and we're at a point now where each and every week, the creativity, the commitment, the dedication on part of teachers just continues to build as we become 
more comfortable and understanding the possibilities that can be done through remote learning. So you said you're you're being particularly careful about equity. What percentage of your students do you do you think are able to connect and have devices? We we have a hundred percent now. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. We, we that was that was that our was phase goal. one. That was phase one to make sure whatever was needed to uh, address that. And if my number is not quite right, if it's ninety nine or ninety eight. We're working on on those families at this particular point. You have a system. Aware. I know you have yes. a system for this. Yeah, so we're, we're there. Have you worked with the high school in order to build this schedule of classes so that if a family has uh, kids in both Valley Stream 30 and the high school district, um, the, the high school is at a different time than the elementary? Um, because we're two separate systems, they are the 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 high schools. I believe are on a, are on a different um, schedule as per the elementary. So that coordination would have not would not have worked in has regards not to has no, not happened. No, but I, I'm not hearing um, significant issues as it relates to that. Okay. Um, yeah. No. It has occurred to us as we've been talking with educators around the country that you have multiple children, and sometimes parents need the computers as well for their Correct. work. And uh, limited Wi-Fi, limited um, limited number of devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it must get very complicated. But it is having it is very complicated. So you know we are we have a system that we try to be as flexible as possible. So you know meetings. Um, if you miss a meeting, hopefully there will be other resources that that, that you can actually um, get to to support the learning that we're hoping that is t- taking place at home. But you actually have your reading specialists and so forth meeting with small groups of with children and, groups, and individuals. That's, that's our goal. Yes. Because you rely classroom. very heavily on reading instru- mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. on reading support. Right. And and so you still are able to do that. Right. Yeah. And I don't want to create a misconception that it's, this, it's exactly the same as what they were receiving while they were in school. The reading specialists and other special areas are supporting the classroom teachers, either with modified materials check-ins and and or meetings so everyone is 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 a part of the the process i i knew you would have a system doctor <laughs> well i think that's <laughs> that's critical in terms of making making an organization run uh, appropriately so every student is being connected with on a daily basis no not on a daily basis not, a, not daily not, a, not daily classroom meetings um, we are meeting at least once a meet as a, as a classroom and then small groups throughout that. What will happen for the future that is being developed? So so that raises the question. Um, New York City and New York State are having a conversation right now, right this minute, about who, who gets to uh, decide when schools open. And the governor has said he decides. As a superintendent, who decides when the schools open? Who's going to decide when Valley Stream 30 opens? The governor. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. That's not the mayor of Hempstead. No, no. No. (laughs) It'll um, be the governor. It it will be the governor. And do you have any sense? I mean, he's he's as open as uh, any governor has been that he doesn't know yet. Um, Do you have any, uh, any intuition about when that might be? Do you think? you'll be able to come back in session before the end of the year? Um, 
based on what I'm hearing and understanding as it relates to the media, um, trying to get a handle on the science and just common sense, I think at this particular point, because schools are closed until the 29th of April, um, we would need to be seeing an opening of our uh, economy as well as uh, a relaxation on social distancing, all of that. And I think the jury is still out in terms of any specific date. So with that said, knowing that we are closed until at least the 29th of April, we are operating under the mindset that we will not be reopening and planning appropriately for that so that if we don't, we've been in the process of preparing for that. And if for what miraculous reason comes about that we can open up, then we will readjust to that particular time frame. So are you are you thinking about summer school or like a ramped up summer school or are you thinking a ramped up re-entry in September? What how how do you think about that? Um the thoughts of summer school, um, we have little, we have very little time left in regards to preparing for summer school. People have an understanding that all of a sudden you can just have summer school. Summer school by district is determined by the resources that are available to a school district. Um, New York State is facing a $15 billion deficit at this particular point. So to find extra dollars to actually run a summer school would be uh, a significant um, hardship on districts without any other additional supports. We're still trying to pass a budget right now, which does not uh, include a um, ramped up full-fledged summer school, which we normally don't have. And then our facilities, as it relates to our ability to have a cool classroom, is not necessarily the case for every single building. So that would also be an issue. And I think probably the most important piece would be, would the nation be ready to actually even have summer school from a health right. standpoint? Right. So, 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 so then your main re-entry plan is for September. And well, I know you've thought about yeah, it. Yeah, we, we, we are thinking about that at this particular point in terms of what that would look like. And that would be part of our recovery plan, be it September or any at any other point. Uh, we just can't just come back and everything just goes back to where it, where it was. There, there, there is some planning involved as it relates to recovery. So EdTrust New York um, did a survey of parents and they reported recently that parents are very worried that their students, that their kids will lose academic ground. And African-American parents, Hispanic parents, uh, low-income parents are even more worried than everybody than other parents about this, that their students are going to lose ground. You think they're right to worry? I, I think every, anyone can worry when you're put into a new situation that you've never been in before and not knowing what, you know, is down the line, so forth, et cetera. So at this particular point, worrying is not unusual. Um, I think as you move along and as we move along in terms of what we call our new normal, we are making every effort to maintain as, as, as a goal um, the skills and knowledges that kids have um, acquired thus far. So we're really trying to minimize regression and at the same time provide them 
not necessarily with content, but provide them with skills and strategies that will be able to be used across various content areas as they move on into the next particular grade. Yes, adjustments will be made with the curriculum as it relates to areas that may have prerequisite skills that might have needed to be acquired in the prior year. Well, that would be made an adjustment to, to the curriculum. So I am not worried about kids falling behind. Um, I am more concerned about how do we adjust a system to meet the needs of wherever our children are at this particular point. One thought I had was, are you finding any programs or resources, computer resources being particularly helpful that you're recommending something to your students that they watch something or log on to something? We, 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 are, we, are, we are a very um, lucky, um, supported uh, school district with resources that have been available to our kids um, for many, many years. And there isn't any one particular resource that I would want to recommend at this point, but I would have to say the fact that we have such a variety of resources um, available to us that we feel very confident that we'll be able to support our students. Obviously, online um, learning um, is nothing new to us, but again, remember, the environment in which we have used it is different. So we're trying to make those adjustments, so forth, et cetera. Um, having kids having to be more independent with the work and not having someone necessarily there to support them on a regular as they would have in a classroom also is, is a significant change. So um, we, are, we, are, we are feeling comfortable with the resources that we have to support the work that needs to be done with our kids. Well, I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you are working 24-7. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Sterling. We may circle back at some point to hear how you and your district are progressing. I hope that's okay. Yes, mo most definitely. Um, you know, th th that word progressing is, is, is key because that's what we intend to do. And as I said, not only with the support of our families, Board of Education, that is making it possible for us to do that. But I also want to say that uh, my work with my colleagues in the 56 school districts on, on Long Island in terms of Nassau County has been um, extremely um, helpful to me as, as a superintendent. Um, the Nassau County Council of School Superintendents, to which I am the president, um, has worked um, feverishly to support one another in terms of decision making um, as it relates to issues that are being placed before them. So the superintendents in Nassau County definitely have had a support group in terms of trying to create this new normal in each and every um, school district. And I believe that type of support is very critical to moving forward and progressing for all districts. That's a really good point. You need a support group too. Mm -hmm. For sure. <laughs> Um, well, I hope you get as much support as you can, uh, as you as you need. And we, we at Ed Trust hope you and your family and everyone at Valley Stream 30 saves, stays safe and healthy. I want to introduce now my colleague, Dr. Tanji Reed Marshall. Tanji is a longtime teacher and is Ed Trust Director of Practice. Tanji, Dr. Sterling um, talked about some of the ways he's thinking about this. I I was really struck by the systematic way, and I, I shouldn't have been struck because I have spoken with him before. I know that he thinks in this kind of way, but I was really struck by, you know, 
two week increments um, in terms of phase one, phase two, really thinking through what um, the students need, what the teachers need, what the what the community needs. Um, what was your reaction? I think, uh, Dr. Sterling, pleasure to meet you and hear about the wonderful work you're doing as your district has transitioned into this new phase that we're all in. I think, Karen, I was also struck by the systematic way in which Dr. Sterling approached the transition. I think there has been a rush to move forward, and there always is because school is so critical to the lifeblood of our nation. And we don't necessarily, folks who have not been in that space, don't necessarily understand all of the pieces of the very large puzzle that goes into moving from point A to point B. It's not just, you know, teach Johnny how to read. It's, oh, did Johnny get to school? You know, all those pieces. And so to hear how systematic and intentional, I think that's really a critical word. So the intentionality around making sure that the teachers were set, making sure parents had information, making sure students understood what was going on is definitely key too. I think the other thing that was really um, interesting to me that I found just wonderful is he said he's not worried about kids falling behind, which to me is brave and courageous because he said he is more concerned about adjusting the system to the kids, not the other way around. And I think having that framework, not worrying about whether kids are going to be behind, but ensuring the system is in place to make sure that when we get back and we will go back, that the system is there and is going to make the adjustments to meet the kids where they are, as opposed to the other way around, which I found just incredibly powerful. Um, so yeah. Really important. Um, I think we're all really nervous and tense. And just listening to Dr. Sterling calmed me down. <laughs> I felt like, okay, people are thinking about these things. Smart people are addressing them. And I don't have to worry about every single thing because there are people out there. I, it, right. I found what he had to say remarkably calming. I, yeah, very much so. I, if I, I were a parent he, in the district, I think I would be like, okay, yeah, take okay, a breath. It's going to be good. That's right. It'll and be I okay. Think the other thing um, that he talked about was the, and he didn't say these words, but the silo breaking, right? So he mentioned the 56 school districts and the Nassau County uh, school superintendents group. And he said that we're all working together, right? That is something that has to be brought to bear and brought to light that no longer are schools, school districts able to sit in their pockets because everybody is doing this thing new this year for the first time. And it's just really quite incredible to hear him voice that, right? That it's important to know school districts are working together superintendents are working together to ensure that we're understanding how are you doing it, how we're doing it, so that we can advance real learning for kids. I think one of the things we have all understood about where we are in this crisis is it really is about kids. 
Like, can we just all stop for a moment <laughs> and just say, hey, this really, really, really is about children. And um, I'm excited to hear him voice that in such a strong, powerful way. I don't, I don't want to get him in trouble, right? But Nassau County is fractious. It's not, that's not a seamless thing. If he is the president of the Superintendent Association, um, he is helping build those bridges, helping build that communication because Nassau County, that's not a natural thing for Nassau. Nassau County, one county has 56 school districts. Think about what that means. Right. Um, and uh, it's not known for the cooperation. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just not what its reputation is. So if he's trying to build that, that is a great thing. Uh, that is more than a, you know, oh, well, that's something that just happens. No, that's not something that just happens. That is some systems thinking around that communication and that, and that building of, of bridges and, and alliances, if you will. Which is critical. Absolutely. So, um, so thank you so much, Tangie. So, so that wraps up this episode of the Education Trust podcast, Extraordinary Districts in Extraordinary Times. Our aim is to bring you the voices of thoughtful educators grappling with all the questions of equity and excellence that face all educators today. If you're interested in learning more about Valley Stream 30, I hope you'll listen to the Extraordinary Districts podcast. So please subscribe so that you are notified of new episodes. If you think this is a valuable podcast, recommend us to folks in your network and leave a review wherever you get this podcast. And if there's a particular educator you'd like to hear from, let me know who and why. You can email at extraordinarydistricts at edtrust.org or tweet at edtrust or tweet me personally at at Karen Chenoweth, K-A-R-I-N-C-H-E-N-O-W-E-T-H or Tangie at at Remarsh 76. That's capital R-E-M-A-R-S-H 76. Mike Patillo records and edits this podcast from Tonal Park. He was able to record our conversation through the magic of Zoom. Thanks to the whole team at EdTrust for helping get this podcast launched. And thank you to the Wallace Foundation for providing financial support. Thanks and see you next time.